0: Hello, my friends. Today, I take you through two nearly identical stories, one in CTV, one in CBC, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, both of which say we have to worry about violence from the convoy, talking to experts who can't really point to any, but they just have a feeling in their bones, and they're experts, unlike you. So listen to the experts. You get the point. That's the show before I get you to it. I want to invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You know why? Because that's the video version of the podcast. I want you to see the visuals of this convoy. We've got our reporter, Mocha Bazirgan, on the scene. He's got a drone, which just means he's getting great, great aerial shots. So just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. That's half the price of Netflix. And by the way, that supports us because we don't take a dime from Trudeau. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, they're panicking. They tried calling the truckers racist and sexist, and it didn't work. So now they're calling them violent. It's January 26th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon hey, consumer God. I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why i because it's, it's my bloody right to do so. We're still not back in our regular studio, but we've made sort of a homemade replica in another part of our office. Hopefully, we'll be back in there tomorrow or the next day. Um, I want to talk about the most important story in our country right now. I'm talking about the convoy, of course. Our chief videographer, Mocha Bezirgan is on the road with the truckers. So is our junior rebel in training, Celine. You can see all of their reports at convoyreports.com. Some of them are produced videos, Some are just quick, raw video clips from the road. Mocha has a drone. Those are very exciting shots. But the most important part is they're actually there. They're on the scene. They're actually amongst the truckers talking to them. And the people gathering by the thousand along the side of the road all across this country. I like to hear Mocha's excitement. I think he cares a lot about freedom. It's one of the reasons he lives here, by the way, instead of back in Turkey, where he was taken as a teenager to the police station twice because of his youtube videos so for him to see the freedom on the streets in an organic natural way is very exciting hi guys
1: how are you doing guys i'm doing good thanks for coming good to see you, you? so good to see, i'm amazing now that you're here yeah it's my first time here
2: welcome to medicine
1: hat great are you from here i am can you tell me is this the busiest it has ever been in this city it's this the busiest it's ever been that's amazing. How do you feel about the convoy? I love it. We're uniting. It's how it's supposed to be. What do you think is going to happen once they reach Ottawa? We better get freedom. We better get freedom. What's your message to all the Canadians watching all across Canada right now? Love one another. Let's stick together and let's get our freedoms back. Well, yes. go down. That's <laughs> over. <laughs> well, yes. thank you so much. Thank you, Rebel. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, you for everything you guys do. Thank Honestly, you, I appreciate worldwide, it. thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Mocha's our chief videographer, and he's from Turkey. So as you can guess, he's Muslim, which makes me laugh all the harder that the Islamist lobby group, the NCCM, the National Council of Canadian Muslims, condemned the trucker convoy as racist and Islamophobic or whatever. What a joke. I genuinely don't even know if they wrote their own press release or if it just came straight from Gerald Butts, who was making the same points on Twitter right beforehand. Of course, it's a damnable lie. It's a smear. It's a defamation by people who were nowhere near the convoy, but know that if they smear Trudeau's enemies for him, they will be rewarded, including financially. It's so gross, but so utterly predictable. That's Trudeau, and no mainstream media called it out. Maybe it's because they're on Trudeau's payroll also with the media bailout, or maybe because they hate the convoy too, or maybe because they don't want to be called Islamophobic if they disagree with the bullies at the NCCM making that aspersion. The NCCM loves Omar Khadr, by the way, and so does Trudeau, as you know. Trudeau gave that Al-Qaeda terrorist, a public apology on your behalf, and gave him 10.5 million of your dollars, too. Here's what I tweeted today in reply. I said, why won't Justin Trudeau treat the truckers as respectfully as he treats the terrorist Omar Khadr? But seriously, have you ever heard Trudeau speak about a real threat to Canada, foreign or domestic, in the language that he and his cronies use to demonize? peaceful democratic citizens who just don't share his views. I mean, besides the case of Omar Khadr, look how obsequious Trudeau was towards the Chinese Communist Party as they held two Canadian hostages for a thousand days. Trudeau would never be as cruel and abusive to them, to the Chinese Communists, as he is to Canadians he dislikes.
2: On sent que la sécurité est accrue autour de vous. On sent que c'est... Uh... C'est plus dangereux peut-être en ce moment pour Bien, vous?
3: On est en, dans un moment difficile parce qu'on est en train de prendre des, des, des choix importants. Euh, on est en train de décider que, oui, on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on, on en connaît tous, des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui
4: sont extrémistes.
3: Qui ne croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, un, une petite, un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader, en tant que pays. Est-ce qu'on est-ce qu'on tolère ces gens-là, ou est-ce qu'on dit, ben voyons, la plupart des gens, presque 80 % des Québécois, ont fait ce qu'il fallait faire, se sont fait vacciner. On veut revenir à, 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 aux choses qu'on aime faire. C'est pas ces gens-là qui vont nous bloquer. Maintenant, on est dans une quatrième vague qui est, est presque entièrement des gens non vaccinés qui remplissent nos hôpitaux à travers le pays. Euh, science.
0: And the thing is, these days, when Trudeau and Gerald Butt signal that they have an enemy, the usual suspects get right to work. I want to take you through a CTV story. You'd think they were the CBC state broadcaster, given how slavishly they repeat Trudeau's talking points. I'll take you through it. Here, take a look. So many angry people experts say online conversation around trucker convoy veering into dangerous territory. <laughs> right there, it's incredible. An expert says it's dangerous. Is there is there anything or anyone more discredited in the past two years than someone calling themselves an expert? But an expert in what? In how you're supposed to protest? You can't be angry. Is that it, really? Because Trudeau himself is angry quite a lot
3: these days. They are putting at risk their own kids, and they're putting at risk our kids as well. Those people are putting us all at risk. Those people are putting us all at risk.
0: Did the experts say that anger was bad for Trudeau, or is Trudeau allowed to be angry with us? We just can't be angry with him. What does this expert say about our feelings? Are there certain feelings we're not allowed to feel towards Trudeau. We're, we're, we're allowed to feel love, admiration, gratitude, obedience. And, and are there also some feelings we're not allowed to have? What does the expert say? Is CTV tone policing a peaceful protest? If so, that's a new one. I remember when F.U.C.K. Harper was celebrated in every media outlet in the country. They loved it. Let's read this CTV news story. As a growing group of truckers and supporters make their way to Ottawa in a protest against vaccine mandates, experts say the rhetoric online is concerning, concerning the convoy is getting increasingly worrisome. Okay, so so it's not even the convoy. It's some people online talking about the convoy. I I wonder if they mean Gerald Butson and Justin Trudeau. They're angry about the convoy. I don't think that's who they meant, though. The movement has gathered steam nationwide as videos show highway gatherings in support of the truckers, but some experts worry the online conversation surrounding the convoy has veered into dangerous territory. What, what's dangerous territory? Have, have there been death threats? That could be dangerous territory. Have organizers called for violence? No. There are people who genuinely believe that this is overreach by the federal government, but there are also a lot of other groups that are involved and individuals who are involved who have a long history of very overheated rhetoric. Kurt Phillips, founder and former lead writer for the Anti-Racist Canada, told ctvnews.ca in a recent phone interview. Overheated rhetoric, eh? Wow. Watch out for that, people. But is this one of those experts that they're talking about, Kurt Phillips? I know who Kurt Phillips is. He's an Antifa sympathizer. You know, the violent thugs on the left? In fact, believe it or not, it was a, he, he was a secret Antifa sympathizer while working as a school teacher. He was active online using a fake online identity. It was insane. And we at Rebel News revealed who he was. Remember this?
2: Of incompetence, the CBC's fifth estate has accidentally released the identity of a longtime Antifa informant. This is someone who works with, employs, and shares information with members and supporters of the violent Antifa movement. The CBC was intending to cooperate with Phillips to conceal his identity. However, when facial images were matched up, none other than Kurt Phillips, a Catholic school teacher in Drumheller, Alberta, was exposed as the mastermind behind ARC Collective. ARK is a blog that was curated by Phillips for over a decade until he recently resigned after his mask was removed. Phillips's blog has shared the personal information, the addresses, photos of homes, names, and faces of people who Phillips unilaterally determines are fascists. Rebel News reached out to Phillips. We sent him a list of questions with hopes that we could get his side of the story. However, that went completely ignored.
0: So so he's their expert. Well, maybe he's an expert in violence, but not in a good way. He has been a defender and supporter of violence, not just word violence, but real life actual violence. That's what Antifa does. That's Kurt Phillips. Do you think CTV doesn't know that? What is Kurt Phillips's expertise? other than he smears conservatives and supports violent leftists in Antifa. Even though the organizers say it will be peaceful, Phillips said he's seen people online calling the trucker convoy Canada's version of the U.S. Capitol insurrection on January 6, 2021, for the truckers to ram their trucks into parliament and people encouraging the hanging of politicians. Really? It's odd that CTV doesn't actually show you any of that, do they? Or cite it. But the thing about random, anonymous online comments is that they could literally be written by anyone, anyone who is known to whip up online hatred using a fake identity, like, you know, Kurt Phillips, in fact. I wonder if he wrote those comments he's condemning. Frankly, I wonder if they even exist. We were never shown them by CTV. This is journalism, apparently. But just a question, was January 26th about ramming trucks into things? Is that that what happened down there? It's been more than a year since the arrests on January 6th, and I am unaware of anyone being charged with anything violent, actually, um, uh, unless you've heard of something I have. not I don't think anyone's been charged with insurrection, actually. I have seen a couple of people plead guilty to the lesser charge of illegal parading, as in they meandered through the Capitol and they weren't supposed to. No ramming with trucks, though. That, that actually didn't happen. Some of the organizers are trying to get people to dial back the rhetoric, but the genie's already out of the bottle, he said. People are energized in an incredible way right now, and it's hard to see something not happening. I don't know if it would be on the scale of January 26th in the United States, but there are so many angry people. So this is their expert, and his expertise is a weird fantasy where his enemies are as violent as his actual anti-friends are. Hey, by the way, do you know who organized this trucker convoy? Not some violent Antifa activist. This woman, Tamara Lynch. A Métis woman from Western Canada. Lovely woman. Here, just just watch for a bit of her herself, because CTV won't show her to you. I wonder why CTV interviewed some former Antifa promoter but hasn't even shown you the face, let alone the voice, let alone talk to the actual organizer of the convoy. That's weird, isn't it? I'll read some more. Peter Smith, a journalist working with the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, said he's seeing a lot of similarities between this latest convoy and a similar truck convoy from 2019 that was meant to protest federal pipeline policies. Sure, Peter Smith, a journalist, yeah, no, sorry, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network isn't a media company. Peter Smith, if that's his real name, is not a journalist. They're a smear company. Now, I know that because, again, they got a quarter million dollar grant from Justin Trudeau specifically to attack Trudeau's enemies. We've read the contract. We got it through an access to information request. And part of that agreement, for which they received more than a quarter million dollars, was they would literally smear and complain against and attack, not just write about, but to lodge complaints and become activists. So this is CTV's expert, and they actually call him a journalist. Here's how the story ends on CTV. Both Smith and Phillips are concerned for what might happen when the truckers arrive in Ottawa this weekend. I think the government needs to take this seriously, Phillips said. So two guys who are both funded by the government, funded to hate the government's enemies, say the government should crack down on the opponents of the government, and CTV calls them experts. I wonder why CTV didn't disclose Peter Smith's funding. I wonder why CTV didn't disclose Kurt Phillips and his Antifa past, and his personal track record of making fake identities to post things online. That seems pretty relevant, don't you think? I wonder why CTV didn't interview that lovely young Métis woman who actually is organizing the whole thing. I wonder why CTV didn't talk to anyone, in fact, Who is involved? Hmm. I wonder why. I see that liberal activists and some so called journalists are going through the crowdfunding list on the GoFundMe page for the truckers and doing a kind of opposition research on private citizens who are donating to it. That's one of the reasons why here at Rebel News we never publish the names of our donors publicly. They would be attacked by Trudeau's smear merchants, both in the Liberal Party and the media. That's what they're doing to the truckers here. I wonder why the media party never does this kind of forensic accounting when it's a protest on the left. They never ask who's paying for a left-wing protest. Who's paying Kurt Phillips and Peter Smith? I told you, Trudeau is. But so many protests in Canada are funded not just by Trudeau, but by left-wing foreign lobby groups, especially environmentalist groups. I've never seen an investigation into that by the media, have you? So that was CTV. Here's CBC. Of course, they're just awful. So that was CTV. Here's CBC. Stephanie Carvin, a security analyst and associate professor at Carleton University in Ottawa, she said she has seen groups cite plans to smash through walls, bring rope to hang politicians, and generally cause violence. While it's not clear how serious any of these threats are, Carvin is urging caution. From a national security perspective, I do think a lot of people do have January 6th in mind, she said. When you have a convergence of a number of angry people who are angry at an establishment, and a symbol of that establishment, the parliament buildings, right there, there is, I think, the potential, not the guarantee, but the potential for things to escalate. So we have another expert on our hands, a security analyst, saying the exact same thing as CTV said. Of course, she works for the government, too. She hates conservatives, too. It's her calling card. What are the odds that the entire public policy establishment at precisely the same time says precisely the same things in every media outlet? What are the odds? It's like on a long weekend when every gas station raises its gas price at the same time. What a coincidence! Hey, I got a question for our security expert here. Did we hear from her, Stephanie Colvin or Kurt Phillips or Peter Smith, when more than 50 churches were burnt or vandalized in Canada last year? Did we? Did we I, I don't recall hearing from them. Why not? How about a couple years ago when environmentalist groups blocked roads and railways? Did we hear from these security analysts about angry protesters and who was funding them? Or how about when Black Lives Matter burnt down a dozen US inner cities, and then started their antics in Canada. Did we hear any cautions back then? Any investigations into who was funding them? No? No tales of anonymous online chatter? It tells you all you need to know. Never trust the mainstream media. And anyone who calls themselves an expert, well, that's just your cue to be twice as skeptical. Stay with us for more. Joining us now from the route itself, embedded amongst the convoys, he's pulled over to get better reception and to focus on the conversation rather than the roads, is our friend and chief videographer, Mocha Beziergan, who's actually traveling with a young rebel in training. Celine, Mocha, great to see you. How are the roads? How's the weather? I hear it's chilly where you are. Let's start there. Where are you?
1: Well, I'm just an hour away from Winnipeg. I just pulled over where I found good internet connection. The roads in general in Ontario are pretty good, decent. It's, there's a lot of snow, but the roads are clear. And um, in Manitoba, however, it was the weather was very treacherous. Zero visibility, dark eyes, drifting snow, Every, everything bad was in Manitoba in terms of road conditions. But um, we have a very strong, very big vehicle, so it got us through um, those treacherous conditions.
0: Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I, uh, it's important to keep up. I mean, a cross-country journey is quite an adventure, especially during the winter. Now, tell me, um, are there clumps of trucks? Like, is it one large convoy? Are there different sort of motorcades? Um, like, how many vehicles do you see when you're driving? Are you surrounded on all sides? How, like, just give us a little bit of what it's actually like.
1: Um, well, I've been following the... I mean, we've been following the Convoy since um, Calgary. So, based on our experience, we saw that there is a huge lineup of a Convoy, a big Convoy, and then there, there are chunks of it. Like, some people, like, let's say half of the Convoy decides to pull over in, for example, um, Swift Current, and to do their business there or sleep because they can't find hotels or Airbnbs. In the target area. And um, same thing in Winnipeg. And same thing today as well. Uh, We catch up with the convoy in Kenora, I think that's the town name. And um, we we saw huge convoy. Trucks don't stop coming, cars don't stop coming. We've seen many, many vehicles with plates from Saskatchewan, Manitoba, BC, Alberta. So there are people with their own vehicles who are coming to Ottawa as well. And um, local people also joined the convoy to a certain point, to a certain city, not all the way to Ottawa. Then they turned back. So we see um, some of those trucks and cars come from the opposite direction as well. And we, we've interviewed people, that's their account as well. And I would say the, the cars and the trucks in total, I would say it's in the thousands. Hmm. Um, I I hear some people go very extremely high numbers, but I've been always a conservative when it comes to numbers. Better it be a number of people protesting or a number of uh, vehicles participating in a convoy. Uh, I would keep it in the thousands, and um, the fact remains that this is not the only convoy. There are many convoys going on across the country that are joining the. Common and they are all going to merge in Ottawa. From all sides, they're going to come down to Ottawa. Um, so, when you add those numbers as well, we will see if it will reach the ten thousands.
0: Yeah, I mean it's incredible the amount of uh, hardware on the and metal on the the streets. Uh, I know that you and I have been talking about getting hotel rooms along the way. Obviously, you have a thousand vehicles of any sort moving into a, a town as small as say Kenora, that's gonna sop up all the hotel rooms, all the Airbnb's immediately. And like you say, some of these guys sleep in their own trucks. A lot of these trucks have a little sleeper cab, but it's quite a thing. Now, one of the things that Sheila gunn told us uh, when she was covering in Edmonton, is that along the way, um, the, high, the Department of Transportation was requiring these truckers to pull over on way scales which is something you do with a fully loaded truck to make sure it's not overloaded, check the logs of the drivers, make sure they're getting enough sleep, etc. But the way Sheila described it, it sounded like they were being punitive, that they were just doing this to harass the convoy. I've also heard other reports in some places that the police are really friendly. Have you had any observations of how authorities along the way have handled the convoy?
1: Well, it is true in Alberta, the government's Um, compelled the trucks to go through the scales, which caused an enormous delay, and we are still um, feeling the effects of that delay. Um, One of the worries is that my understanding from Celine, my coworker, um, her father is also a truck driver, and she has informed me that truck drivers are compelled to take off and sleep after putting a certain amount of um, hours driving. I think that's 40 hours, is that correct? Yes, 40 hours. So there's that concern because if they they are on the road for 40 hours, and they can't make it to Ottawa, that is going to create problems for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not, police I have not interacted with much. They've been so far, um, very minimal and maintaining order. My understanding is that in Winnipeg, they did not allow the convoy to go to the parking lot or to the uh, pit stop, the designated pit stop that they were coming to mm-hmm. due to uh, overcrowd. There were so many people there, so many cars. Uh, apparently police said this is too dangerous. They just can't enter with their um, these long trucks. Someone could get hurt. So and that caused an enormous traffic in the minute long. It caused us like we just couldn't get through to the place. And you have seen our drone footage in Winnipeg and how such an enormous traffic there was.
0: Yeah, that was incredible. I really love the drone footage you have. Uh, now, you mentioned you're traveling with a rebel in training. Celine, I understand she's actually there. We haven't met her yet. I wonder if you can uh, move the cell phone yes. upon which you're speaking. We'll just say sure. a quick hello, just because uh, we haven't uh, yet met her on the show. In fact, uh, um, hello, Celine. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself to our rebel viewers Tell, tell us a little bit of. He says, why, he
1: says you, "Can you introduce yourself?" Oh yeah. Hi, my name is Celine. Um, I'm from Calgary. Uh, rebel in training, and I am with Mocha Buzardin on the
5: way to Ottawa to document the convoy and everything that's going
0: around around that. Well, that's great. I, I guess mocha has got the the uh, headphones yeah. on, which is why you can't hear my questions. Um, maybe we could have uh, Celine's thoughts on it, not just as a rebel in training, but also as the daughter of a truck driver. Um, is there a certain spirit of truckers that this taps into? Because of all the different industries in the country, nurses, police, firemen, government workers, flight attendants, I mean, so many industries have had meek protests against the mandates. Is there something about truckers that caused them to have the boldest protest yet? I don't know if you can pass that question on to Celine. I know you've yes, got sir, the headphones uh, on.
1: Ezra as is asking if, um, if you as a daughter of a truck driver how do you feel about all this? As you know, many um, people across other sectors have protested in a meek way, but trappers are really getting out, uh, putting a strong stand.
5: Yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely something really near to my heart, considering that if, you know, my father does just do like that traveling within the country, but um, I know that if it comes down to this going through, they are certainly sure of the prevention traveling the next day, and if that's the case, then obviously that is not a choice that my father would like to make so in terms of uh, respecting his choice for bodily autonomy everybody else's choice not just the Trumpers, but everybody else who um, wants to just retain a piece of having choice having the ability to make a choice a medical choice any choice um i think is incredibly important so i mean i guess what i would just have to say to everybody out there is to just keep on going with this and to not stop the momentum and um definitely tune in with Rebel News and, and people that are actually in the convoy who are following along and they're posting relevant material because they are a part of this movement they're part of this group uh, they're either a trucker or they're a supporter who's actually traveling with the convoy um or you know there's someone who's who have uh, donated in. um I think that just speaks for itself it's not just truckers that are here that are a part of this it's very much uh so much it's on a global scale much bigger than people are able to even be able to uh comprehend, I believe, Uh, just to be able to gather crowds from, you know, BC, Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, everywhere, there are people from everywhere. We see plates that are, it's just really incredible and beautiful to see because I don't think that we have actually been able to unite in such a way, Um, and it's been years that this has been going on for the restrictions and mandates and whatnot, and it's very hopeful and it's a really beautiful thing to be a part of.
0: Celine Gallus, Rebel in Training, great to talk with you, thank you. Back to you, Mocha, you're the drone operator. I love those visual shots. You're showing a lot of of vistas, and it's quite a feast for the eyes. But I want to uh, ask you one political question before I let you go, and I I don't want to delay you on the road. Um, I, I did my monologue today about two stories, one in CTV, one on CBC, but they're really everywhere in the media that, um, you know, it's sort of funny. A couple of days ago, the media party was saying, oh, don't worry about these protests. It's just a protest against driving conditions. That was seriously the, the CBC's first report about truckers. Oh, no, 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 no. They're just upset about highway conditions. They've gone from that to saying, oh, my God, it's going to be like the January 6th insurrection. They're going to ram their trucks into Parliament Hill. This is a terrorist movement. And they're all saying the same thing. At the same time, they're not quoting any actual truckers or any organizers. They're just quoting these government-paid quote experts. What do you make of the extreme demonization uh, by, the, by the entire political media establishment of the of the truckers? I mean, it just happened so quickly, too.
1: Well, that's what they are, that's their speciality. That's that's what they are expert on. That's their expertise. To quickly demonize people mm-hmm. who are stepping out of the line. And yeah, it, it seems very elitist to me. Not that elitism, I mean, I'm not going to get into that, but I've been with the people, with the working people, with hardworking people, with the people of this country, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, I've been through it. And um, everywhere, in every intersection, I've seen wonderful people, beautiful people. I have said this in our last interview because I've been traveling to Canada for a long time now. I've been to almost everywhere. although well, it's a very big country. And I, I will say it again. Canada is composed of wonderful people. That's what I have witnessed throughout the journey within the convoy and with people who are supporting it. You, can, you, you must have seen my interviews with them they are not um, what the media is trying to paint them as racist or white supremacist or insurrectionist or. No, nothing like that. They are normal people who have been told that they can't open their business, who have been told that their child has to wear a mask. It's been two years now. Who have been told that they can't, um, they will lose their job if they don't get the vaccine. They've been, right, if you're unvaccinated right now in, in Canada, you can't even fly. You can't go to a restaurant. Like, this is the degree that the politicians. The ruling party has taken against them, yeah. and they are for the first time having a national pushback, having a national protest against it, and really showing their numbers. Mm. Really showing—I mean, you have seen my videos. It composed of very diverse people, diverse communities. People are tired. That's the message that I'm getting. Yeah. I mean, we've been to a town with eight thousand
0: population
1: half of the town was on the streets hmm. just showing which support. town was that which town was that it was
0: um dryden dryden you know it's it's funny listening to you i was thinking because uh i, I we talked about the fact that when you were in turkey as a young a man you were arrested you were taken to the police station twice because your youtube videos and uh that's i, th- I think you, you've had a lifelong love of freedom and it just makes me chuckle because one of Trudeau's funded attack groups said that the convoy is Islamophobic, and I thought, well, I better check with Moca uh, to see if uh, if that's true. I know it's not true, but there are people of every—I ra- mean, a lot of truckers are visible minorities. A lot of truckers are Sikh for whatever reason. It's just a fact. And but but I think one of the tricks of the government is to project onto you their own sins. So Trudeau dresses in blackface; he'll call you racist. <laughs> Trudeau groped a reporter named Rose Knight. He'll call you misogynist. And, and here's my point. Trudeau says this, Trudeau and his people, Gerald Butts and his media says, this convoy is a threat. It's insurrectionist. But who is the one who has upset our democracy, who has shut down parliament, who has shut down our civil liberties? Once again, Trudeau is projecting his own sins on his critics, these truckers have not violated anyone's liberties at all it's Trudeau and the establishment that have but he's putting he's he's very clever that way he accuses his opponents of what he's doing he cries out in pain as he hits others it's quite a move. Last word to you Mocha what's next? Where are you off to next and and what's the schedule looking like?
1: Well we're off to Thunder Bay we're on our way to Thunder Bay we'll, we'll be there about in one and a half hours but I have to tell I have to say this is just watching the Canadian government acting out so weirdly like this and exaggerating things and just projecting things that are not true onto these peaceful people these wonderful people that I have met that I have interviewed well, some of them are rebel fans some of them knew me from a kilometer away they, they knew me at um, called my name well, all I got to say is, it's just funny, because I, I, I was in Turkey when the coup attempt happened in 2016. And um, that night, 200 people died. It was a total chaos. Jets flying, um, lower, blowing the windows, tanks on the street running over people, um, police killing soldiers, soldier opening fire on police, lynchings, um, helicopter, the parliament exploded, all sort of crazy things happened. It was a two-year-long trauma, two-year-long state of emergency. Unbelievably, everyone was getting jailed, fired, all this crazy stuff happened. And yet still, some people in Turkey were saying that this was a teeter to vanish with Now, my point is that I've seen that, and then I see January sixth, and they called it an insurrection, and then I see the trucking convoy and the Canadian government's and the media's reaction to it, and it just makes me giggle. It's just West, you know, first world um, problems. I guess I don't know what to say. It's it's really funny because they are they are not used to facing resistance. Yeah, they are not used to it.
0: And of course, the key, the key point is. Uh, what you described in Turkey was violent resistance with with shootings and tanks and military weapons. January 6th, they called it an insurrection. No one's actually been charged with that. It was quite modest, but this trucking convoy is by every measure completely peaceful, but they're trying to yeah. pass it off as the violent threat when Trudeau and the premiers are the ones who have sent police after people who are not wearing a mask or people who are, not getting jabbed. It's incredible. And I take your point that it's sort of a first world problem to say, oh my God, people are protesting. This is a peaceful protest. These truckers aren't even blocking the road. Like I've seen in other They're jurisdictions, not. truckers mm-hmm. block an entire road as a political protest to slow down the rest of the tra- That's This this convoy is not doing that. Well, I tell you, Moke, it's great to have your perspective and that, that anecdote about what it was like in, in Turkey in the attempted coup is very illuminating. But I think the commonality between Erdogan and Trudeau is this. Both of them uh, will use any incident, real or imagined, to demonize their opponents and then use that as an excuse to take rights away from their opponents. I think there is an authoritarian commonality between Erdogan and Trudeau. I don't think Trudeau is as bad yet. He hasn't gotten away with as much yet, but he has told us that China's basic dictatorship is the country he most admires, so maybe he wants to get there. Listen, my friend, I could talk with you at great length, and, and, uh, and we will talk more, but I want to let you get back on the road, give our regards to Celine, the rebel in training. Uh, keep sending that footage. I love the drone footage. Keep interviewing people, and we look forward to our next update.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us.
0: Right on. Well, there you have it, Mocha Bazirgen and Celine Galas on the road, about an hour outside Thunder Bay, reporting from the convoy. For all of their reports, go to convoyreports.com. You can chip in to help cover the costs of the journey, from hotels to meals to that nice big car they're driving, so they don't slip off the road in the Canadian winter. Stay with us. More ahead. <music> Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me. Bogdan Coman says, I add another speculation as to why the government wants to destroy the economy to avoid responsibility by blaming the coming inflation on the ones who don't take the shots and not on the money printing government does to stay in power and pay off government's unfunded liabilities. Well, let me leave you with our video of the day. Tamara Ugolini and the Toronto Board of Health scrubbing a vaccine reaction clip From their public archive, they tried to hide grassroots reaction they didn't like. I'll let you see for yourself until tomorrow. On behalf of all of us here at Rubber World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. And here's Tamara's vid.
4: Public health has something to hide, and I smell a scandal. The Toronto Board of Health has censored the personal account of an alleged vaccine injury. And in today's report, I'm going to show you just how sneaky these bureaucrats can be. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini pointing out some fishy actions by the Toronto Board of Health a mere day and a half after the interview that I conducted with unofficial COVID data analyst Kelly Brown. We at the time discussed the presentation that he delivered to the Toronto Board of Health on January the 17th, and then we linked back to the fully public live streamed video and on friday january 21st i tried to go back to that publicly available live stream source to get some additional content but when i tried to do that i was shocked to find that the board had privatized the video in usual times which obviously these are not you would be able to find the full live streamed and public video on the city of toronto council and committees Meetings, Agenda and Minutes website, but the video is privatized and we'll show this screen grab that we got on screen now to prove it. And it appears that sometime thereafter, the video was magically republished under the Board of Health's video archive, but with at least one key speech missing. It was the speech of Dan Hartman, who runs a Twitter page called Answers for Sean, where he claims that the seventeen his 17-year-old son died a mere few weeks after his first Pfizer injection. Look at the formal public record of his speech.
1: Dan, welcome. Uh, you'll have five minutes. Thank you for joining us, and you can begin when you're ready.
6: Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um,
4: um, thank you very much, Mr. Hartman. Thank you. I hope that you and your family are able to find some closure. Thank you.
6: Thank you. Uh, thank you, Councillor.
4: His entire speech and the dialogue that ensued, it's gone. Completely. Councillor Wong Tam engaged with him a little bit and they had a conversation. And so is the way in which Joe Cressy, he's the chair for the Board of Health, responded to Dan's heartbreaking allegation. Cressy was heartless and cold, not even attempting to acknowledge the tearful account by Sean's dad. He glossed over the horrific allegation entirely. I know because I watched it live, but it's a clip that we can no longer view, thanks to whomever decided to scrub the speech from the public record. Here is one clip that made it onto social media of Dan's speech. It's not the complete clip. And again, I know because I listened to it live, but it's better than the absolute nothing that we're left with from the Board of Health's public record. Have a listen.
6: All over his neck and face and brown circles around his eyes. They sent him home and on the morning of September 27th, His mother found him dead on the floor beside his bed. And all he wanted to do was play hockey. So I'm just wondering really how safe this is and why no deaths are being reported. You're talking about numbers and ICUs, but nobody ever talks about deaths. And it is happening more than anyone knows. And it's just being denied and silenced. And I have a Twitter page called Answers for Sean, which has 7,500 followers who are all wondering the same thing as me. What happened to my son? He had an autopsy done in Toronto that came back cause of death unascertained, which only 2% of deaths have that conclusion. The only thing they found was a slightly enlarged heart. So I questioned the coroner, well, is that not caused from the vaccine causing myocarditis? They're saying there was no myocarditis. I sent his autopsy report to a second well-known pathologist in Canada who wants to remain anonymous for fear of losing his job. He told me the vaccine did kill my son. I don't know who I can believe anymore. I have to go the rest of my life either thinking there's no cause of death or it was the vaccine. I just don't think vaccines for kids to play sports is the right thing to do, considering Omicron is a lot less powerful than Delta. My brother and his wife and three kids all have Omicron right now, and they're all perfectly fine. They say it's not bad at all. Even one of my nephews has no symptoms whatsoever but tested positive. I just would like some answers to why my son is gone, and if you want to take a look at my page, you'll see just how much of a special boy he was and what he meant to me, and now I have to go through the rest of my life with this pain, and I just want answers.
4: So whose decision was this, and why did they make it? What else has been scrubbed from the public record since March 2020 and maybe even beyond? Some of you may remember a few months ago when I pointed some highly relevant and important questions to Toronto Public Health, only to have them respond that they don't respond to inquiries from Rebel News. So while I filed an access to information request to find out who exactly said that and why, It leads to the larger issue here that now i have further questions for dr eileen davila through toronto public health and they are likely to not receive responses because of this previously held nonsensical and absurd conviction but that didn't stop me from reaching out to chair of the board of health joe cressy the new vice chair Stephanie Donaldson, and of course, Dr. Eileen DeVilla, Medical Officer of Health for Toronto Public Health. In addition to asking whose decision it was to scrub the video and why, I also asked if it was commonplace for the board to tamper with the public record. And of course, like I said earlier, how many other times has this happened since March, 2020? I mean, this level of public censorship is highly concerning to me as a member of a theoretically free and democratic society. And since none of the above responded to my request by the deadline provided, I filed another access to information request because I want to know why this decision was made. Ontarians, the Canadian public and people everywhere need to be made aware of these kinds of allegations and they need to be thoroughly investigated to determine accurate cause of death and inform others to provide true consent to these yes, still experimental injections. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini. If you feel refreshed seeing this kind of investigative journalism, then please consider donating to rebelinvestigates.com. As you probably know, it takes time, money, and resources to file access to information requests, and staying on top of them can be cumbersome and time-consuming. We appreciate all of the donations that we receive from our generous viewers to help us continue to bring you the other, often unreported, side of the story and showcase scandals and discrepancies when we see them. That website again is rebelinvestigates.com.